Andy Johnson. This is the Reading Instruction Show. Today's podcast is the second part in a series of podcasts looking at critical race theory and the idea delivery system. The name of this podcast is I Could Have Been on the Train Sooner. Now, when we talk about critical race theory, as stated in an earlier podcast, our goal is not to win the argument. We've already done that. Our goal is change. And if change is not occurring, we must consider the causal factors. Now, those who would use force to leverage change simply think about where, how, and how much force to use. But that's not really change, is it? That's compliance. We want change real change. Ideas cause change. Ideas ultimately cause real change. Ideas. Hence, we must consider the idea delivery system being used. One of the reasons I bring this up is because I should have been on the critical race train, a critical race theory train, long ago, and I wasn't. Why? Until recently, I was not particularly receptive to the whole discussion around critical race theory. I thought I was good on the race thing. After all, I had read the autobiography of Malcolm X twice, <clears throat> I had black friends, and one of my closest friends and college roommates was a black guy from the south side of Chicago. So like many, I thought I was good on the race thing. As a matter of fact, I was even offended if somebody suggested that I wasn't. But as I now realize, I wasn't good on the race thing. And I embrace my own failings here. I'm not trying to abdicate my responsibility. But consider this big idea here. If these ideas failed to take root in the bald head of an uber-liberal ivory tower, podcast-making college professor, I think we must examine the filters. As a matter of fact, we must critically examine the filters. What's getting in the way? What's keeping the message from being received? So the next part of the conversation. Critical race theory is a lens through which to critically examine our various systems. But, if we only turn the lens outward and never inward, we become part of the problem. So I'm turning the lens inward on myself and us collectively and critically examining the filters. What can we do to enhance the idea delivery system? Four ideas. First, critical race theory must first be explained simply and succinctly. The term is too often thrown around as if it's something that everybody should know. Of course you know what critical race theory is. No, not correct. We should never ever assume that anybody has full or even partial understanding of what critical race theory is. This theory 
can be a bit complex at times. It has layers and dimensions. Thus, we should always start with the assumption that the people with whom we are talking know little about this theory. And there's no reason they should. There's no reason they should understand this theory if it hasn't been adequately explained. And that's on us collectively. How can we expect anybody to accept that which they do not understand? We as a collective must take partial responsibility for this. So, before anything else, we must explain this theory in the simplest, most succinct manner possible. Now, I realize I'm not the brightest carrot stick in the light bulb drawer. I had to do quite a bit of reading and talking with people before I started to get my bald little head around critical race theory. But I'm a professor. It's part of my job to be well-read on things like this. Most people don't have this luxury. So we must always enter a teaching mode and explain this theory simply and succinctly. We cannot let Tucker Carlson explain things because he most certainly will. And the view from Tuckerville is a bit distorted. So I would refer you, refer you to previous podcast where I described the seven basic ideas related to critical race theory. I'll just name them here. One, racism is normal. Two, change occurs only when it aligns with the interests of those in power. Three, race is a social construct. Four, no person has a single identity, intersectionality. Five, all people in a category do not think and act the same. Six, the stories and voices of people must be heard to truly understand. And seven, cultural parochialism and white superiorities are factors in maintaining systemic racism. All right, the second point in examining the filters is we must know our audience and be respectful. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to agree with their ideas or condone their worldview. But few people are convinced from listening to an angry tirade or an impassioned haranguing. And I know I'm bordering on that right now and I have to calm myself down. But shaming and name-calling doesn't work. Pointing out people's moral failings or intellectual shortcomings is never a good way to deliver a message. And saying more words faster and louder does not convince anybody of anything. These are all very ineffective idea delivery systems. And here's the thing to consider. They think you're as misinformed and deluded as you think they are. And that's okay. That's the way the world works. It's only by entering a teaching mode and presenting the ideas respectfully without the hyperbole that we might actually convince some people in the middle. The third filter, be cognizant of our terms. Now, this is the one that will be a little dicey. Uh, words do matter. Two terms that may be entirely accurate, 
but at the same time are a bit distasteful to some, are the terms white fragility and woke. Now you're asking, do you always have to be tasteful, humble, and courteous? Absolutely not. There are times and places, but the big picture is change. Now let's take a look at the first term, white fragility, and I'm using me to understand the filter. I hate that term. It may be well because I'm white and fragile, but that term has always been more disinviting than inviting to me. Throwing that term about has never made me want to join the movement. It has never made me want to go out and buy a book about critical race theory or systemic racism. Now, is this my own moral failing? Absolutely. But I know my audience because I am my audience. I know me. I am suggesting that I am, I am not suggesting that we have to be gentle, timid, or unassertive when speaking to a fragile white population. Absolutely not. But there are times when it is advantageous to strategically pull one's head out of one's ass and recognize that how you present things is important. Our goal is not to win an argument, to be right, or to point out the deficiencies in others. Our goal is change. Our goal is for things to not be the same. Our goal is for things to get better and be better. There are times to be bold, defiant, and confrontive. Absolutely. But there are other times when it is more pragmatic to enter a teaching mode. Woke is another term. I wish that term would never have been invented. Now, I get it. There's a point after which much reflection, reading, studying, and listening, and conversation where you have another perspective. I get it. And you wonder why you didn't see things all along. I get it. But this doesn't happen all of a sudden. Scales don't fall from our eyes like Paul on the road to Damascus. Understanding comes over time. The term woke denotes hierarchy. I'm woke and you're not. I understand and you don't. I'm saved and you're a sinner. I'm a star-bellied sneech and you're a plain-bellied sneech as Dr. Seuss would say about sneeches on the beaches. Again, the idea delivery system is important if we want to get the ideas across and take root. Change. The fourth filter idea is to hear the stories. Yes, we can see all the data, but data is one way of covering up. Numbers without context distorts reality. Critical race theory posits that the stories of the people must be heard. We must present the very real stories of real people who are impacted by systemic racism. Only then do the numbers make sense. As well, we must present a full accounting of history, the good and the bad. We should not allow our curriculums 
to disremember things or misremember things to make the privileged white majority feel better about themselves. We must hear the stories for these ideas to get across. So, to sum up, I could have been on the train. The Andy of today is different from the Andy of a few years back. The Andy of a few years ago was not all that receptive to these ideas about critical race theory. I don't think I'm all that different from a lot of people whose knowledge tank on issues of race are a little low. What changed? Three things. First, the murder of George Floyd hit home the importance of everybody doing what they could. If we all do little things, big things will happen. Second, I filled up my knowledge tank a little bit more. I'd been researching and writing about disproportionality and systemic racism in a broken special ed system. This brought me into the world of critical race theory. I encountered the term so much that I finally spent the time to get a handle on exactly what critical race theory is or might be. And third, I heard the stories. I talked with real people. I read the stories of real people. These stories touched the corner of my soul. They brought me to a place where numbers cannot enter. So let's end with Mr. Timber. What's interesting is that when I post videos and podcasts related to critical race theory, some people get mad at me. Imagine that. They call me names and use adjectives to describe me. But when they run out of names and adjectives, and when I ask them which of the ideas that I presented did I get wrong, I either get silence or rantings about some random tangent unrelated to critical race theory. It's abundantly clear that most people who critically oppose critical race theory don't have a clue as to what it is, except that it's A, about race, B, people are supposed to be critical or think critical about something, and C, they don't like it but they're carrying around distorted and cartoonish views of critical race theory. A case in point is Mr. Timber with three R's. I received the most wonderful message from Mr. Timber with three R's on my YouTube channels. In his opening statement, Mr. Timber states, and I can't help but use a dramatic voice here, Critical race theory seeks total destruction of America. It uses shaming and the demoralization of citizens so that the citizens cannot and will not fight for intellectually or defend America. It perpetuates conflict. Critical race theory is intellectually grounded to the 1924 German Institute for Social Research, also known as the Frankfurt School, Critical theory and cultural Marxism and political correctness and neo-Marxism were developed there by Herbert Marcuse and others. You get the idea. Critical race rejects the results of the 1960s Civil Rights Acts. Critical race theory underlines the following leftist goals in order. 
Reality is replaced by stories, resentment, demoralization, surrender of capitalism and property, and installation of total totalitarianism. Oh my goodness, oh my. That we were trying for all that, I did not realize that, Mr. Timber. Oh my goodness. First, it's good to know where people are coming from. Now, there's absolutely nothing I could say to, to make Mr. Tim Burr, with three R's, change his mind. And second, in our presentation of critical race theory, we don't want to sound like Mr. Tim Burr. Arguments like Mr. Tim Burr's only convince him and people who believe the same thing. They get people all worked up, but they don't change anything except maybe making some people more angry and more worked up. Our goal is not to win the argument. Our goal is change. This has been, believe it or not, the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.